wanted to begin by um, sharing and apologising with you that my laptop, which is at least eight years old, has decided to uh, um, find it quite difficult to run Zoom, which results in very loud fan sounds, which means certainly last night in the, in the guided meditation, I know for some of you it was quite difficult to hear. Um, so I think we can... Uh, or send plenty of metta and compassion to this elderly creature who um, has been struggling with with uh, with running the video in particular. I think so. I'm I'm on an iPad now, so it's a little bit of a different experience. And I also, um, yeah, I just wanted to express. Um, my appreciation, a deep sense of appreciation to everyone here. Uh, these times are um, they're challenging in different ways for many of us and, and for some of us more, you know, to a greater degree. You know, more challenge arising from different conditions that we're uh, facing. It's been very moving um, to witness, to be, you know, to be present with your um, with your honesty and your courage. So, real appreciation for that. And I also just wanted to um, say at this point where most of us are here uh, that the schedule for tomorrow is, is on the notice board. Um, and um, also all the information about Dana is is there on the notice board so just to put that out there so that you know I know with time zones and other commitments not everyone will be able to be with us tomorrow uh, morning so um, so just so you know and Nathan's reminding me that you may need to refresh the page to see the new information on the notice board I wanted to, um, and you don't need to read it now. <laughs> It'll be there. You don't, if you know you're going to be with us tomorrow morning, you don't need to look at it at all. You can just scroll down to the, to the uh, information that's relevant for today. So I wanted to begin um, the, the talk, the exploration, um, with a uh, invitation to just check for ourselves uh, what is experience like right now yeah. you can just check for ourselves right now you may need to shut your eyes you may not yeah what's experience like right now and particularly um, using the Zoom language, what's the self-view? How am I seeing myself right now? How am I seeing others right now? How am I seeing the world? And is there any sense at all of uh, any of these? Yeah, the self-sense, the self-view, the view of others, 
the view of the world as fixed, as solid, as constant, as independent. Yeah. Is that there in any way? Just interested to, to, to explore that and to meet that. And so maybe we can just do a little practice now. We'll just take you know, five minutes or so to explore that, to just feel. And as I said before, eyes open or closed, whatever is, feels most appropriate for you. Right now, what's, what's the experience? And what is my sense of myself? How am I seeing myself? How am I seeing others? How am I seeing the world? So we'll just take a few moments to explore that, to feel that, without any agenda, just meeting. Just seeing what happens if I bring in one of the practices that we've been exploring. Maybe just tuning in to something in experience right now. Might be the breath, might be the sound of my voice or a distant sound. Tuning in to something in experience right now and seeing it as changing. Seeing it as inconstant, transitory. So you may choose that as a practice or equally again, just the breath or body sensation or the sound of my voice or a more distant sound and seeing it with metta, welcoming it, allowing it. And we'll just take a few, a couple of minutes to, to feel into that. What happens? when we meet one breath or one sound, either with metta or with this seeing it of it as changing. Just noticing what happens to the sense of space in the experience or around the experience or in the body or around the body. What happens to the sense of space when we just meet experience in this way?
what happens to the relationship between self and object. And what happens to the appearance of solidity, of constancy, of separation. I'm here and the object is there, the breath is there, the sound is there, separate. When we notice that this is changing, when we relate to it with metta. invite you if your eyes are closed to open them and to do something we've done before to just take in someone on the screen in front of you yeah might be the first screen or one of the other screens take in one person And just open to that person, just receive that person. Take in their presence. And seeing what happens if you use the same practice you just did. So seeing that person as changing, as inconstant, or welcoming them with metta, having that sense of welcoming, receiving. friendliness, either way, just receiving the other in awareness. Noticing if there's any impact of that and your experience on the sense of space, on the sense of fixed, solid, separate. If you wish, you can let go, open out the attention again to somewhere else. If you wish, you can keep doing this for as long as you wish. One of the nice things about this medium. So can be quite interesting to see what changes when we just take a small amount of time 
and we practice either internally or in relationship with another externally. Just seeing what changes when we do that. And one thing that we might really meet is the habitual tendencies that we have to see things as fixed, as solid and permanent, unchanging. It's a very strong conditioning. And that tendency you know, also comes into how we um, see ourself. Yeah. And we've touched on that, you know, seeing myself as solid, seeing myself as unchanging, fixed. It also often comes in into our view of another. Yeah. Yeah, for me, this was just now really powerful just to look at someone else and see them as changing and in constant, just really see through that eye, yeah, looking at another, so different to our habit. And it's also often the way we see the world, yeah, anything in the world, objects in the world, appearances in the world. And what happens when we remember that seeing things as solid, seeing things as fixed, seeing things as unchanging is a way of looking. Not more, not less than a way of looking. And that that way of looking um, is not fixed. It's changeable. So whenever... There's an experience, there's a way of looking at play. Can't say that too many times, I know that. (laughs) Because I've been saying it to myself for quite some years now. And uh, I still need to hear it. Still need to hear it. There's always a way of looking whenever there's an experience. And then the second part, which is really important, that way of looking is not fixed. It itself is changing and changeable. Yeah, it's fluid, not fixed. Or another way of saying that, the experience, whatever it is, arises dependent on the way of looking. Yeah. The way of looking plays a part in the experience. Let's pause with that for a moment. There's always a way of looking. An experience arises dependent on the way of looking that's present. And so the more complex an appearance is, yeah, the more complex an appearance is, when I say appearance, the same appearance, experience, phenomena, you know, using those words interchangeably. The more complex an appearance is, the more we need to remember this. The more we need to be reminded. Because it gets trickier. Things seem more solid. We get more entangled. They seem more fixed. The more complex they are. And can we see that 
in any situation, with any appearance, with any phenomena, the possibilities are actually endless, boundless. So on retreat, we emphasize yeah, bringing um, this understanding, playing with this understanding and um, honing it, yeah, cultivating it deepening it in relation to relative, relatively simple phenomena like breath, body, sound, yeah. less complex phenomena. And today I'd like to ask the question of what happens when we also look that way at ourself or at another or at the world. Yeah. When we see self, when we see other, when we see the world as co-arising dependent on a way of looking. Yeah. Dependent on a way of looking. What happens? So earlier today, when um, Nathan was giving the teaching this morning, I don't know how many of you heard it, but a few times you could hear uh, the blaring of horns rising up from the street. Did anyone hear that? Yeah, <laughs> it was quite loud, wasn't it? And um, we're on the 10th floor here, so, you know, it's quite impressive. Um, and it, it reminded me of a few things, you know, one is it's extra, um, it really stands out now because, you know, there was quite a long period of lockdown here in Israel when we didn't hear that. Yeah, there were barely any cars on the roads and certainly there wasn't the blaring of horns because nobody was in a rush. And it reminded me of, of something Nathan's been playing with um, since uh, restrictions have been relaxed and and you know we're out and about and this is one of the things that always really strikes us when we're here but even more so here's the experience you stand at a traffic light in your car well not in our car in my mother's car in this case but never mind in a car <laughs> and um and the light turns green before usually before you manage to even kind of move your foot from the brake to the gas at least if you're me, because I'm quite slow. Before you've even noticed, before you've even managed to do that, usually for me, even before I've lifted the foot, um, there's at least one car behind that goes, <laughs> and so um, over the years, we've had a lot of ways of playing with that experience. But this time, Nathan said, you know, I get quite annoyed when that happens. And he just says to me, they're just saying they love you. <laughs> and so what happens when we do that? Yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know, what, what they're thinking in that moment. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Because this is a totally internal experience, right? Yeah, there we are in the traffic lights. And what if we decide that every time someone honks, they're saying, I love you. 
Yeah, they're sending meta to the world or to, to me personally, whatever we want to do. What if we decide that that's what's going on? Um, it becomes quite interesting. And I, and I want to break this down as an example. Okay. And remember, we're talking about seeing self and other as dependent on the way of looking. Okay, that's what we're looking at in this example. So here we go. Here's the example. I'm sitting in the car. We're sitting in the car. And there's a honk. And it's a sound. Yeah? And it's an unpleasant sound. Right? It's meant to be unpleasant because it's meant to alert us. So it's unpleasant. And because it's unpleasant, habitual response is a resistance, a pushing away. I don't want this. Um, and that quickly escalates to irritation. Right, and then it will be I am irritated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am irritated. That irritation itself is unpleasant. Again, so we're starting another loop. Okay, it's a new vedana of uh, the irritation. That's unpleasant. More resistance, more pushing away. Um, the anger and frustration builds up, gets projected onto the other. Of course, why are they honking? Yeah. And more unpleasantness and. The interesting thing about this is that it's going on inside. There's no contact with the other in this case. Yeah, it's nothing to be done with the other. This is building up internally. Because we're not separate from others, it will eventually have an impact in the world. Okay, because the irritation is building up. So this is also very interesting. Yeah, we talk about this. Oh, we're we're working with this internally. But that irritation will find an outlet somewhere and will impact others, which will impact others, which will impact others. So it's really interesting to break that down. Now, I have, there's many options for us as practitioners there. Yeah, we might notice the dukkha. We might notice, oh, this feels really crap. Yeah. Do I want to feel this way? (laughs) Yeah. Or we might... um, notice the contraction or we might notice the push-pull of the blame you know might hear myself saying something making a comment what happens if I remember this is a way of looking right now there's a way of looking and this experience is dependent on that way of looking okay and the ways there's there's a variety of ways of looking there right I don't deserve to be honked at (laughs) I wouldn't honk yeah, or whatever, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah, and a lot of the very, one, one of the very basic ways of looking that's there is that sense of separation. I'm over here and you're over there. Yeah, and this experience is happening to me and you are making it happen. But we have possibilities, yeah? Remembering, right now there's a, a way of looking, you know, there's a lot of aversion or irritation in the being. Um, can I open and soften yeah, with that remembering? Maybe open and soften the body. Um, maybe play with changing the way of looking. Yeah. Changing the way of looking. So, you know, I saw quite a few of you smile, <laughs> quite enjoy that sense of like, you know, what happens if I just say to myself, they're telling you that they love you. You know, what happens if I just say, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. <laughs> You know, what's, what's truth anyway? Yeah, it's dependent on the way of looking right now. 
And where does it lead? What unfolds from playing that game? Saying, okay, right now they're saying that they love me. It helps me, because I usually am quite triggered by that point, but it helps me let go, helps me relax, helps me soften the body, soften contraction. And so I am no longer in a state of dukkha and contraction, right? Which means that I will not continue to pass on that gift of the honk to others. It's really actually crucial. It's pretty important. Yeah. It's pretty important. If I am not, if I'm not in that built-up place of irritation and othering, then that will not be there in me. That will not come out on another. So that chain of impatience, that chain of whatever we want, we think that honk is, yeah, that will stop. So just to say, I, I'm not going to answer questions in the middle of talking unless, um, unless there are clarifications about um, words that I'm using or you can't hear me. If, if there's time, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the questions at the end. So right now there's a way of looking and how can I play with that? How can I see this another way? Because when there's that contraction, when there's that dukkha, when there's that strong self-sense and that irritation, what happens to the world that I inhabit? What happens to the world that I shape? Because we all shape the world that we live in. We all participate in shaping the world that we live in. So what do I want to align with? That's the question. And remembering that there is a continued impact, not as a, not as a weight that we need to carry of responsibility, but just as a reminder of possibility. Yeah. So if something's, something has hurt me or something's been difficult for me, do I want to keep playing it out in the world or do I want to bring in something different? when I can. And as we do this, and and, um, I hope that you can already see this, so much is going on in this very simple thing. I'm using a very simple and simplistic example here on purpose. Because we can see so much is going on there. If I just play with that perception or the meaning that I give to an action of another in this case, play with the way of looking, and the experience shifts, and what else shifts? The sense of self, the sense of other. As fixed, as solid, as unchanging. Yeah, less solidity. And more and more experiential understanding. Self and other are dependent on how I view them. They're also dependent on how I view them. They're not separate from that. So this is an insight we can um, take further and further, okay, further and further in our lives, deeper and deeper in our lives. We can choose to see others with friendliness and compassion. Yeah, we can choose to see that. We can choose to see others with friendliness and compassion. And 
when I say that, just notice what comes up for you. Yeah. Because often there can be a sense of, oh, if I choose to see others with friendliness and compassion, that means um, I condone their actions. That means I agree with harm that is caused. That means that I lose my voice to speak out. Yeah. I might, you know, I said it the other day, a sense of, you know, I become a doormat, I become a pushover, or I allow bad things to happen. And Dharma teachings really encourage us to look in our own experience deeply and fully at this. Yeah, at this. Does looking at someone with compassion, with understanding, yeah, with friendliness, does that necessarily mean that we condone harmful actions that they take? Does that necessarily mean that? Or is it possible to have friendliness, to have compassion, to have understanding towards another? Yeah. And at the same time to work wholeheartedly <laughs> yeah. to stand up fully against the harm that that very person may be causing. Yeah. Can you see? It's not one instead of the other. Not at all. So the invitation of the teachings, invitation of the practice, is to see for ourselves what happens and what is the impact, what deepens and widens my perspective and understanding. Yeah, we're interested, you know, these are teachings we've been really emphasizing compassion and metta as foundations, but let's not forget these are teachings of wisdom, wisdom teachings. So we can see another with understanding, which by the way, is again another, um, seeing with understanding is another um, translation of equanimity, of upeka in Pali, or another way we can understand upeka. Uh, I used freedom with the other day. That's not a translation, but it's an explanation. But seeing with understanding or seeing with perspective is so we can see another with understanding without losing our capacity to respond effectively and well yeah and to stay aligned with what we want to live for yeah what we want to live for um, and how we want to live yeah so if i go back to that example of choosing to hear I love you in a honk, I'm not, I'm not going to go into what the other person is meaning or thinking or what their situation is. I don't actually know. But if I think about what I'm aligned with, yeah, what I want to align with, what state of being I want to be in when I get out of that car and meet another person, yeah, then what is useful? And the, the answer can be different for different people, but that is one of the questions that we're encouraged to ask. What is useful? 
What ways of looking bring suffering and what ways of looking bring an end to suffering? So we can see another with understanding without losing our capacity to respond effectively and to respond well. And remember what I said earlier, the more complex an appearance is, the more important it is to remember that there's a way of looking. But the more tricky it becomes, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. So I want to give another uh, example of this, more complex. And this is... um, Some of you may have heard me telling this story before. Um, This is something that happened many years ago, 2006. Um, And some of you know that Nathan and I organize an annual retreat uh, in Palestine called Being Peace, um, where we bring internationals and Israelis, there's a few people here who've been there with us, um, to uh, Israel and Palestine. And uh, we, we bring, we're interested to bring the practice into that situation. Yeah, to bring the practice into that situation where um, we get so triggered <laughs> yeah, by injustice, by suffering, by complexity. Yeah. So much going on there and we get so triggered. So this is from the first Being Peace retreat um, in 2006. And it was the first time that I had ever seen a checkpoint um, in, with my own eyes. So checkpoint separating Israel and Palestine, um, which mostly separates Palestine from Israel. Israelis have free movement between the two and Palestinians don't. So it was the first time I saw a checkpoint and we arrived there um, with the council of the Palestinian village that was hosting us. And we were looking around, we were a group of about 10, 12 people. And uh, pretty early on, when we arrived, uh, there was a few soldiers there doing their, uh, I think they were doing their job. I can't remember exactly what they were doing. Maybe they were just standing around. Um, And I asked one of them, somehow we got into a a conversation, I asked one of them, what's it like to be here? It's a group of them. And he said, oh, it's fun. It's fun. And my, I could just feel my whole being contracting, my heart closing, yeah? Like, I'm like standing there and just thinking, this is horrific. How could a Jewish person ever, ever create something that looks like this? Yeah, that's like, that's what, that was my experience, you know? And then here's this young, very young guy who, who, you know, I say, what's it like being here? And he says, fine. And it's like, closed. And feeling the, the contraction, feeling um, the anger, feeling the armoring, just layers of armoring across the being, across the heart. So we keep walking around and the movement and the body and the group support, yeah? to have some compassion for myself in this smallness and limitation and shrink and sense of being so shrunk and contracted. And we find ourselves eventually on the other side of the checkpoint where we have a better view of what's going on inside. 
and then suddenly it's the same soldier, it's the same guy standing there. This time he's alone. Okay, and he's actually then an active post. He's, he's at his post and he's alone. And I notice my, my closed heart when I see him, the heart is very closed. Um, and feeling the contraction again and feeling compassion yeah, for myself and being able to open up the field to also feel compassion for him. And the question that the practice is always asking us. Can I bring interest to this? Yeah. Can I bring interest to this? So I hope you've, you've, you're noticing that this is before I was even aware of this language of ways of looking. Um, but this is actually what was going on. Yeah. Noticing a way of looking, noticing an impact and playing with that. So can I bring interest here? So I walk up to him and I say, can I ask you a question? Okay. And this is where the story get, gets interesting if it, was, if it was not interesting up till now. Okay. Can I ask you a question? And he looks around and he says, yes, but I'm going to turn and look away from you so that the other soldiers don't see that I'm talking to you. Okay? So there, there's vulnerability. Yeah? Feel the vulnerability. And suddenly there's something is shifting. There's a vulnerability there. And so we start a dialogue. We start a conversation. The rest of the group is also there and I'm translating for them. And we ask him questions. Yeah? Can I ask you a question? Interest. How long have you been here? How long have you been in the army? Yeah. And he's young, he's maybe 19. He's been in the military for six months. He's been at this checkpoint for two. Yeah. And as we talk, more and more layers are shed. Yeah, layers of armoring for us and for him. And he starts to talk from his heart. And he says, I hate it here. I hate this. Yeah. And he says, it kills my soul. And he says, I do whatever I can to help. And somehow many of the Palestinians that have to cross the checkpoint every day, they figure this out. So they come to me when they need help with something. So the layers of the armoring, the layers of these defenses for him and for us. Yeah, they begin to drop, they begin to shed. Yeah. And that armoring, those layers, in that moment, in that space, it's one heart. Yeah. When his heart is free of armoring, so is mine, so is ours. And, and the other way around, we can actually feel this shared human space between us and the sense of relief when nobody needs to hold themselves in a way that keeps their their heart armored yeah nobody needs to hold themselves in a way that hides yeah hides the goodness 
Amen. So I've often reflected on that experience and, and the sense of transformation yeah, that was there. Yeah, I could feel it um, in the air. Yeah? The sense of space, the sense of movement, the sense of the atmosphere in this, in this really, you know, for me, pretty extreme manifestation of human ignorance. You know, a checkpoint anywhere that has guns and walls and fences and separation. And yet within that, the possibility to see beyond self and other, to see beyond the habits, yeah, the conditioning that makes us see in that way, to see beyond the limitations. You're a soldier and you think this is fun. When he didn't think that at all. And I often think about that and I, I can feel, you know, that and feel again, you know, it's a long time ago, 14 years ago. I can feel the sense of the gift that we were offering each other to see each other differently, to see ourselves differently, and for him to be able to be his, his true self, his best self in that situation where there was so little space for that. So powerful reminder about the non-solidity, the non-fixedness of things that we take to be solid and fixed. Yeah, other people, ourselves, views and opinions, the world. None of it is real or true in the way we take it to be. And if we truly want to bring change, then it starts with our work in here so that we can be available to each other. We can give this gift to ourselves and to others and to the world. A gift just like the honk as I love you. It's a gift that keeps on having an impact. Yeah, keeps, keeps on having an impact. When I choose to look at another with compassion and friendliness, when I choose to look at another with interest, yeah, the, world, the whole world changes. The whole world changes. I saw an interview recently with um, an American man from Sikh origin whose father, along with a few other people at their temple, were uh, murdered in a hate crime. And the interview was a few years after. And he was asked in the interview if you could, if I could put you in a room with a man who committed those murders, what would you do? And he said, for the first 10 minutes, I would have to hold myself not to get up and hurt him. But eventually I would be able to control that urge because what was more important to me than revenge is to understand what made you do something like that? What makes a human being do something like that? So when we choose to look at another with interest, and with compassion, then we change the world. The whole world changes. 
because we shape the world, each of us, not separate from, from any of us. So we can go beyond what triggers us. We can remember that we have the capacity to pause for as long as we need, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes years. Yeah, We have the capacity to pause. We have the capacity to acknowledge what is happening in our own heart and body and mind. And to attend to it skillfully and well. Yeah, Through, sometimes, a lot of the time, playing with the ways of looking. So that the ones that we nourish in ourselves and in the world are ways of looking that support well-being for all of us. And whenever we do this, even for a moment, yeah, even if it's just inside, so-called, as if the inside is separate from anything else, whenever we do this, wisdom wins. Yeah. Wisdom and compassion Take the front seat, overcoming habits, and we increase, yeah, the more we do this, every moment that we do this, every moment means more capacity to recognize ways of looking and their impact, and to attend to our experience, to let go of the unskillful, and to pick up the nourishing. So that wholesome ways of looking become fresh and skillful habits of mind. They become more accessible to us and more likely to arise naturally. And I love this quote from the Buddha. He says, whatever a bhikkhu or bhikkhuni, a student of a practitioner, whatever a practitioner keeps pursuing with her thinking and pondering, that becomes the inclination of her awareness, the inclination of her mind. So every time we notice the way of looking and we shift towards the wholesome and the skillful, that becomes the inclination of our mind, more likely to arise. So when we look at our lives, when we look at each other, when we look at the world, does anything make sense? more than cultivating the pliability and flexibility of our mind so that we recognize what is present and we can attend to it and does anything make more sense than cultivating ways of looking that are wholesome and that support freedom for us all Let's have a a quiet moment to settle, to digest, to make space.
So thank you for your listening and for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.